that Christmas retail shopping in 2018 exceeded $1 trillion. 27% of U.S. shoppers start their Christmas shopping in November. 62% of U.S. shoppers start their Christmas shopping in December. 7% of U.S. shoppers start their Christmas shopping the day before Christmas. Jewelry is the most desired gift, once again, among women. Gift cards, the most desired gift among men. 19% of U.S. shoppers indicated that they have no idea what they are going to purchase for their loved ones for Christmas. Another 30% indicated that they only have a vague idea of what they are going to purchase in regards to Christmas gifts for others. So basically, 50% of U.S. shoppers have no idea, completely clueless, about what they are going to purchase for Christmas, which kind of explains some things, doesn't it? Explains why they take so long to purchase gifts and why they spend so much on gifts. The good news is simply this. We all still have three days left to shop for Christmas. <laughs> Open your Bibles. Open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. We are continuing in our study of the extraordinary account, the extraordinary birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This extraordinary account of the birth of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus. Extraordinary is defined as exceptional, remarkable, astounding. Once again, I'll use it in a sentence. It will be extraordinary if the Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles this afternoon and advance into the playoffs. Extraordinary. We know that everywhere we look in Luke and Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus, we see the extraordinary taking place. At any point, as you look in Matthew's account, or if you choose to look in Luke's account, we'll look in both this morning, as we read from these biblical writers, we see the extraordinary taking place. We see God doing what only God can do throughout this amazing account of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we will all stop for just a few moments, and if we'll take a look at our lives, I believe we will see God doing the extraordinary in us, through us, and around us. Even now, if we'll just stop for a few minutes and consider the Lord's work in us, I believe each of us will be able to see God doing what only God can do in our lives. We were reminded once again in God's word, we're reminded that once again in the experience of our walk with God, that Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, God with us. 
He is God with us. And since we know God is with us in Christ Jesus, we know a few truths. I want to just share two real quick this morning. We know two truths that will help guide us as we make our way through our time together. That we know that we know that we know these truths since God is with us in Christ Jesus. Number one, we know there is always help for us. There's always help for us. Because God is with us in Christ Jesus. God is always ready and able to help us in whatever the circumstance or situation we find ourselves in at that particular point in time in our lives. David the psalmist said, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry for help. We can turn to God at any moment, at any time, in any circumstance or situation with the confidence of knowing God will help us. He is with us in Christ Jesus. He will help us. We know God will help us because he loves us. We know God will help us because he's told us in his word he will help us. We know God will help us because he's at work in each of us, transforming us into the likeness of Jesus. And so God's help for us will always be tied to God's plan for us. God's help for us at any point in time when we cry out to him will always be tied to his ultimate plan for us that he is continuing to work in and through us. So we know since God is with us in Christ Jesus, there's always help for us. Hopefully that's an encouraging word to each of us this morning. Secondly, there's always hope for us. There's always hope for us. Hopelessness crashes into our lives when we take our eyes off God. We tend to take our eyes off God when circumstances crash into our lives that we don't like, that we're not expecting, that we didn't see coming. Time and time again, in God's Word, you know this as well as I do, Time and time again in God's word, we see God shattering the hopelessness of those who look to him. God shattering the hopelessness of people who look to him. God shattering hopeless situations for people who look to him. The challenge each of us face on a day-by-day basis is continuing to look to God moment by moment, step by step, day by day. The challenge each of us faces on a day-by-day basis is to fix our eyes on Christ. Because as we do, as we look to God, he fills us with hope. As we look to God, he helps us and he fills us with hope, which allows us to continue living out our faith and trust in him. We see this in the account of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We see this throughout God's word. We see this in our lives as well today. So we're going to continue in this study of the extraordinary birth of Jesus Christ. Last week, we focused our attention on the extraordinary proof of the birth of Jesus Christ. The birth of Jesus Christ is not a fairy tale, myth, or legend. The birth of Jesus Christ is truth that can be trusted by us and others today, just like it was trusted by many, many people years and years ago who saw Jesus after he was born in Bethlehem and then who observed Jesus throughout his life. We know today, obviously and most clearly, the birth of Jesus 
ultimately led to the life, to the ministry, to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which leads to new life for us with God by faith in Christ Jesus. And so we celebrate the birth of Jesus, but we don't just stop at the birth of Jesus. We celebrate the birth of Jesus because what it means for us, and we see this over and over again, we'll look at it again this morning, but we also celebrate the birth of Jesus because what it points to. And so we understand that there is immense proof in God's word for the birth of Jesus. And we covered that in depth last week. This morning, I want us to spend our time together focusing on the extraordinary plan of God in the birth of Jesus. We see the extraordinary, the exceptional, the remarkable plan of God throughout the account of the birth of Jesus. Now, let's just make sure we get one point clear as we begin. God's plan to send his son Jesus to earth to rescue us from our sins and to provide forgiveness for us and to open the way for us to be able to enter into a relationship with God by way of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is extraordinary. It is extraordinary. The perfect obedience of Jesus, God the Son, to God the Father's plan for his life in every detail, step, and way is extraordinary. God's plan to offer us his grace and love and mercy in his son Jesus is the most extraordinary news ever. Amen? Are you with me? It is the most extraordinary news ever that those of us who were once dead in our sins and transgressions are able to be made alive with God in Christ Jesus. And so we understand and realize as we look at the extraordinary plan of God this morning, everything comes under the extraordinary plan of God that he sent his one and only son into this world to rescue us, to save us from our sins, to bring us into a relationship with him. It just simply doesn't get any better than that. Now with this in mind, I want us to look at one example in Matthew's gospel and one example in Luke's gospel of the extraordinary plan of God at work in the birth of God's son, our savior, Jesus. And so let's begin in Matthew's gospel. Hopefully you've made your way to Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter one. The example in Matthew's gospel is Joseph. We're gonna look at the example of Joseph here in Matthew's gospel. In Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, Matthew wrote these words. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. God's plan included the virgin birth of Jesus. Wow! Are you with me? Everyone say wow. wow. Yes! That's a wow! That's a wow! 
God's plan included the virgin birth of Jesus. It is beyond our ability to completely grasp this miracle from God. It is within our ability to joyfully praise God for this miracle from God. We see God's plan included the virgin birth of Jesus. Now, we get some more information about our example in Matthew's gospel that we're focusing on. Many, but we're going to focus on one, that being Joseph. We know that Joseph and Mary were betrothed, or they were engaged at this time. Betrothal was more binding than engagement is today. The man and the woman were called husband and wife during the betrothal time, in this time. We know a legal divorce was required in order to break the betrothal period. The husband and wife were not intimate with one another during the betrothal period. They remained pure and chaste and holy during the betrothal period. We also know that parents were highly involved in the betrothal period of their son and daughter, making sure they had a say in who they married, a practice I am in full agreement in support of bringing back today. The older I get, the more and more I see the wisdom of God's word at work. God's plan, his extraordinary plan for the birth of Jesus included Joseph. Joseph was a righteous man. That means he was upright. He was just. That means he believed God. He loved God. He walked with God. Joseph obviously loved Mary. He was a righteous man. He was compassionate. He was, he was kind. He was a gracious man. And so we know and see here, according to Matthew, Joseph did not want to embarrass, shame, or disgrace Mary in, in any way. He was righteous. He loved her. He didn't want to disgrace her. Joseph was also a wise man, and he understood and knew well that the punishment for adultery, according to Old Testament law, the Mosaic Old Testament law, was stoning. And so Joseph's plan upon understanding the situation and we'll we'll see as we continue reading Matthew says after considering this after hearing the information initially and understanding what was going on here and seeing what was going on and considering things Joseph being righteous he decided best thing for me to do is to divorce her quietly secretly privately just just try to do it out of the public so she's not disgraced in any way we continue reading in chapter 1 verse 20 but after he had considered these things he being joseph an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream hold on an angel of the lord appeared to joseph in a dream that is all right good that is wow. That is extraordinary. That is exceptional. That is remarkable. And the angel knew his name. 
And the angel called Joseph by name and told Joseph God's plan for Joseph. This is amazing. You see, we can't just read this and then just go on. We can't just read in verse 20. But as after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and just go on. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. We, we've got to stop and address again. What have we been talking about? The extraordinary. That's all throughout this amazing story. Verse 20. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Extraordinary! Wow! I mean, just think of Joseph. If it's not enough that he's woken up in this sleep and there's an angel talking to him, calling him by name, consider the angel's message. Hey, Joseph, I'm here to tell you God's plan for you. Mary is pregnant, as you know. She is pregnant from the Holy Spirit of God. She's going to give birth to a son, and you're going to give him the name Jesus. He's the Savior of the world. He's the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And guess what? God has chosen you. You're going to be his father. Hello! That's extraordinary. I mean, just think about that. So much right here that we could just stop and park on. We won't, but we could. So much extraordinary, amazing God at work doing what only God can do in this passage. And we continue, Joseph hearing these things. Now look at this in verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but he didn't have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus. The angel told Joseph, hey, Joseph, it's okay for you to marry Mary. It's okay. She's pregnant, but from the Holy Spirit of God. She's going to give birth to a son. You're going to name him Jesus. He'll be the Savior of the world. And when Joseph woke up, he obeyed God. Joseph obeyed God. Joseph did exactly what what the angel told him to do. Joseph did exactly what the angel told him to do when and how the angel told him to do what he asked him to do. And as you continue reading Matthew's account on into chapter two and through chapter two, you find that this is the practice of Joseph, obeying God, doing exactly what God asked him to do. Joseph's obedience was and still is extraordinary. It's extraordinary. God wants us to take note of the obedience of Joseph. Why? Because God wants us to respond to him in obedience just as Joseph responded. 
Whatever it is that God calls us to do, wherever it is that God has you this morning, what God desires is obedience. Obedience from you, obedience from me. Now let's look to Luke's gospel. Turn to your right and go over to Luke's gospel. And we'll look in Luke's gospel, chapter 1, the first example of the amazing, extraordinary, wow plan of God was Joseph. Now we're going to look in Luke's gospel and we're going to see our second example. And this example is Mary. We see in Luke's gospel account, and we'll pick up kind of in the middle part of it, God sent Gabriel, his angel, to Nazareth which is where Mary and Joseph, as they were betrothed to one another, were living. And God sent Gabriel to Mary to share God's plan for her with her. And so the angel Gabriel goes to Mary, and we'll pick up uh, in verse 30 in Luke chapter 1. And we read, then the angel told her, her being Mary, obviously, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Extraordinary. Mary was a godly woman. Obviously, Mary found favor with God. The grace of God was on Mary. God was with Mary. Gabriel told Mary God's plan for Mary, which was simply this, Mary, you are going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit of God. You are going to become pregnant and you are going to give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great. His kingdom will never end. He will reign and rule forever. He's the savior of the world. The fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. We see the angel coming to Mary. Again, God's extraordinary plan for the birth of Jesus included Joseph. God's extraordinary plan for the birth of Jesus included Mary. Mary asked a very good question. Now, you ladies can obviously think a lot of different thoughts as you listen to this passage, as you read this passage. Obviously, every one of us can, but you ladies especially can get special Godly insight into this passage. Obviously, Mary hearing the plan of God for her from Gabriel, we see that Mary asked a, a really good question. Mary said, how can this be since I'm a virgin? How can this be since I've not had sexual relations with a man? Mary note in her question wasn't doubting God. Mary believed God would do exactly what Gabriel told her God was going to do. She believed God. She was just asking a very good question. And that simple question was, how? How is this going to happen? And we see Luke continues, verse 35. 
The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is her, the sixth month for her who was called childless or barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Oh, okay. What an amazing answer, an incredible answer, a fantastic answer from Gabriel to Mary. Mary, simple question, a good question, a question of belief, a question of faith. How will this happen since I'm a virgin? Gabriel's sharing how this is going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And the one to be born with you will be called the Son of God. Great answer, complete answer. To Mary's question, and then we see her response in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Extraordinary! Mary's response of faith in God. Extraordinary! Mary believed God because she kept her eyes on God. Notice she said, I am the Lord's servant. Mary knew who she was. She never lost sight of who she was. She was the Lord's servant. Mary believed God because she loved God. Mary believed God would do what he said he would do because Mary knew for nothing will be impossible with God. She knew this. No doubt had seen this in her life. Just as we've seen God's amazing, extraordinary work in our lives before. And Mary responded with this amazing, simple faith in God. She says, may be done to me according to your word. And then Gabriel left her. And so again, we see Mary's faith in God was and still is extraordinary. Her faith in God was and still is extraordinary. So we see in God's extraordinary plan for the birth of Jesus, it included Joseph and included Mary. And as we look at Joseph and Mary, several things stand out. I mean, we could, we could spend weeks looking at all the different aspects that stand out, but we've highlighted the obedience of Joseph, and we've highlighted the, the faith of Mary, understanding and, and realizing that, that these qualities are also the qualities that God wants from us. Because you see, we see God at work in our lives as we take moments and I encourage you in this time of the year all throughout the year but certainly at this time of the year to take moments to look at your life to look inwardly to do some introspection to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you so that you can identify where God is doing what only God can do in your life and I'm confident you will all be able each one of us will be able to see evidence of that we'll be able to see evidence of God doing what only he can do in our lives God doing things that are completely unexplainable apart from his power and his plan at work in our lives. And as we do, we need to remind ourselves as we look at Joseph and Mary that that just means that God wants us to continue in obedience and faith and trust in him. And so we look once again at these two examples and we know God, and I hope you understand this, I hope you realize this, as we shared this at the beginning last week, we'll continue as we make our way through. God has an extraordinary plan for you and me. 
the reason we know God has an extraordinary plan for us is he's an extraordinary guy. His plan for us is not to harm us, but to prosper us and give us a hope and a future. His plan for us is to make us more and more like Jesus Christ. His plan for us ultimately is to bring us home to be with him for eternity. And so we know our God is an extraordinary God. He's got an extraordinary plan for us, just as he did for Joseph and Mary. So what can we learn today from God's plan for Joseph and Mary that we can take with us, that we can apply in our lives, that is similar to God's plan for us? What is it about God's plan for Joseph and Mary that is the same in regards to his plan for you and for me today? There's three points I want us to look at as we make our way through this application time. We can take this away. We can grab onto this. We can allow this to be what the Holy Spirit continues to use and speak to us as we make our way through these next days, continuing our walk and our faith and our trust in the Lord. The first truth that we see, the first point that we see, the first connection that we see is God's plan for us is too much for us. God's plan for us is too much for us. Listen, God's plan for Joseph and Mary was too much for Joseph and Mary. Think about it. There is no way that Joseph and Mary could have come up with God's plan for them. There is no way Joseph or Mary could have come up with a better plan than God's plan for them. There's no way Joseph and Mary could have fulfilled God's plan for them in their strength or wisdom. God's plan for Joseph and Mary was too much for Joseph and Mary. And we see this throughout this plan. We see this throughout the gospel accounts. And we also understand and realize today, God's plan for us is too much for us. Let's just remind ourselves once again this morning, God's plan for you is too much for you. God's plan for me is too much for me. There is no way that we could come up with God's plan for us. Just look at how many prayers we ask that God chooses to answer in a different way than what we're praying. And every time he answers in a different way than what we're praying is better than what we were praying for. God's plan is too much for us. There's no way we could come up with God's plan for us. There's no way we could come up with a better plan than God's plan for us. And there's no way we can fulfill God's plan for us in our strength and in our wisdom. God's plan for us is too much for us. Why? Because he's God and we're not. And so there are times in our lives, and maybe this is you this morning, there are certainly times in our lives, and I would submit we've all been at this point before. Maybe this is where you are this morning. We get to points in our lives and we, we begin to say to God, God, I can't handle this. God, this is too much for me. God, this is overwhelming. God, you are giving me too much to handle right now. And when we get to those times and when we pray and cry out to God in those ways, guess what? We're right. That's exactly what he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. He's giving us too much. His ways and thoughts are higher than our ways and thoughts. 
He sees around the corners of our lives. We have a hard time seeing right in front of us. His plan, praise God, is too much for us. Because we would all settle for something so much less if it were up to us. His plan to draw us here this morning with all the different emotions and challenges and thoughts, distractions that are going on in our lives, specifically so we could look at this word, so that we could hear him speak to us. That's too much. too much for me to fathom. You see, he wants us to know the same thing he wanted Joseph and Mary to know, and that is simply this. His plan for us, yeah, <laughs> it's impossible in us. It's too much for us. But you see, the the next point is God's plan for us is to draw us closer to him. God's plan for us is to draw us closer to him. You see, God's plan for Joseph and Mary was to draw them closer to him so that they would depend on him and trust in him. Why? Because God knew his plan for them was not going to be easy. He knew it. Think about it. The questions, the looks, and the comments that Joseph and Mary would have to endure during her pregnancy. I mean, how do you explain that? Joseph, are you the father? No, it's not me. And Joseph. Why aren't you divorcing her? Well, because God told me not to. Oh, God told you not to. Well, why did God tell you not to? Well, because the Holy Spirit's the Father. The travel from Nazareth up to Bethlehem for the census where Mary would give birth to Jesus. A very pregnant Mary. The travel on donkey and foot. The birth of Jesus out in the back in the stable area, the feeding trough, the manger, where the animals are kept. Why? Because there was no room, not even a room, not even a small room in Bethlehem for them because of the crowds. The attempts of King Herod to kill Jesus after he was born. Joseph and Mary having to get out of the, over the, under the cover of darkness, travel to Egypt to get away. 
Joseph and Mary had to draw closer to God in order to fulfill the plan of God. They had to. God's plan for you and me is too much for us. There's a purpose behind that. God's plan for us is too much for us because God wants us to draw closer to him so that we can depend on him and trust in him. And here's why. Because God knows his plan for us is not always going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. God's plan for us includes times of blessing. God's plan for us includes times on the mountaintops of life. Absolutely, positively, yes. We know this. Maybe you're in one of these times of rest. Maybe you're in one of these times of renewal. Maybe you're in one of these times of of extreme blessing. And praise God if that's you. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Give God the glory for it. Praise his holy name. But understand and realize God's plan for us also includes times of difficulty, times of pain, times of trials, times of struggles, times of suffering. You need to, we, see, we all need to be reminded that God wants us to excel in suffering just like he wants us to excel in his blessings. And we love excelling in his blessings. But we're not as fond of excelling in our faith in God and our sufferings. And without a doubt, there are those in our church family who are in a season of suffering who are in a season of trial. And I have good news for you from the word of God this morning. And that news is simply this, God's got an extraordinary plan for you. No matter what your circumstance is, that doesn't change it. God's plan for you is too much for you, but there's a purpose behind that because God wants you to draw closer to him. He wants you to draw close to him because the only way we can fulfill God's plan for us is by drawing closer to him and depending on him. That's it. And as we draw closer to him and depend on him, we're able to realize that he truly is Emmanuel, God with us. And as we depend on him, as we draw closer to him, he gives us the strength that we need to continue walking by faith, to continue excelling in our faith in the times of suffering. And then, The third point is God's plan for us is best for us and others. God's plan for Joseph and Mary was best for Joseph and Mary, for all those around them, for those who came after them. And guess what? God's extraordinary plan for the birth of Jesus includes us because we came after Joseph and Mary. We're in the story once again. God's plan for me is best for me for all those around me and for all those who are going to come after me. God's plan for you is best for you, for all those around you and for all those who are going to come after you. We know this because God's word is true. God's at work in each of us. God's fulfilling his plan in our lives. God's at work in each of us, making us more like Jesus. God's at work in each of us, ministering to others through Jesus. God's at work in each of us, helping us to show the way to Jesus, telling others about Jesus. So the question this morning is real simple. What is God doing in your life? Where is God at work in your life? What is God asking you to do right now? Is he asking you to excel in a time of suffering? Is he asking you 
to excel in a time of trial? Is he taking you through one of those difficult seasons? Is God bringing you out of one of those difficult seasons? Are you in a time of blessing? Where is God at work in you right now? What is he asking you to do? How is he asking you to respond to him today? Let me encourage you what God wants is us to respond to him with obedience like Joseph and to respond to him in faith like Mary. Jesus Christ is Emmanuel. God is with us. And his plan for us is best for us and all those around us. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Worship team's gonna come and leave in this.